My next guest on the Stronger with Sport podcast is none other than Jane Adams, a former Antrim Camogie player who's won six Ulster senior medals, uh, three times Ulster Camogie Player of the Year, and won a club All Ireland with our club O'Donovan Rossa. Um, Jane, thanks a million for coming along. Um, I suppose we're going to start up. Tell me about growing up in Antrim in the 80s. We won't give away your age um, and what it was like. Um, thanks very much for inviting me here today, Cora. Um, such a great honour to be here uh, with you. Um, first of all, growing up in, in Belfast in the 80s, um, first of all, it was great. Uh, I'm from West Belfast, um, uh, a great community to, to be from. Um, I started off my playing career in uh, St Malachy's Belfast. It's uh, from the market. Um, it was a great community to start my camogie playing career. And then moved on to play uh, in O'Donovan Rossa. Uh, one of my first um, times playing was in the Fila uh, with Rossa. I transferred whenever I was 13 and we got to play in the Fila in Limerick uh, and we actually won it. Um, it was brilliant, it was a brilliant experience. Uh, whenever you're 13 and you get to play in the Fila, although it was only Division 3, uh, we were away uh, over the weekend. Um, it was just a, an unbelievable experience to get away. Uh, even then, uh, I went away with my sister. We stayed in s other people's houses, as you know. Um, it was a great experience to play against uh, other teams. And I think that was whenever my love for Camogie really, really started to develop. Um, and even friends throughout the throughout meeting them and then, I can still look back and say that I've met friends then that I, I still know now to this day. Uh, camogie for me was something that started like really deep um, passion then and that was started right there and then. So you, do you put Fela and the, your experience at Fela? I was lucky enough to have Fela. I, I didn't get the travel element because Mayor host and Fela at the time and I was lucky enough to win an All-Ireland with Fela and I think that's where our club really progressed and become successful but do you feel Fela was where your love for Camogie had came or was um, obviously, Antrim is a, is a huge hurling uh, county. Was it there before uh, failure, or was that where you could put your um, finger on and say that's where my love for camogie and my passion for camogie really came? I think uh, the passion for it really came was in uh, 1989, um, whenever Antrim uh, got into the All Ireland final. Uh, I think Jim Nelson was one of the main thing. I didn't really know Jim Nelson then, but it was because you seen Jim Nelson on the TV and. My daddy brought me down to get tickets at Casement and just the whole buzz around Casement at the time, like Sambo McNaughton came to our school, a guy called Eamon O'Fago, and this is where really my first love for camogie came about. I was P6, P7, and Eamon O'Fago uh, said that I want to play with the hurling team in primary school, and so I started playing with the hurling team, and I, only, I did nets for the hurling team. And it was in around 89 and Sambo came to the school and I had to give him a presentation of, uh, I think it was maybe a bunch of flowers for his wife or something, but just the whole buzz of the thing. And I remember uh, in 1990, then the year that they played Kilkenny, uh, my daddy brought me down to Croke Park and I remember uh, standing behind in Croke Park and standing behind the, like a, a bollard in the stand. And I remember like dashing around the side of the, uh, the Ballard watching DJ Kerry and I remember that was whenever I just went oh my god I love this sport because I remember DJ Kerry although it was against Antrim and I loved Antrim I just remember his uh, flair and the way that he took he solo run around the people and 
put the ball in the back of the net. I just thought this this skill of this person. Imagine somebody being able to do this. This that that was what ignited my passion for it. I just couldn't believe that somebody could do this, and I wanted to be able to emulate this. And if not, I wanted to be able to watch this all the time. Yeah, and tell us a little bit, I suppose, about your your family. I know I've I've read about them and how important they are to you and your dad. Um, I think your dad was a big boxer. Yeah. Um, and that your your mom and obviously your sisters and your sisters played yeah. with you as well were all into into hurling and camogie and into sports. So tell us a little about your family and, and growing up. You know, I think you're one of four girls. Yeah. Yeah. What life was like growing up and, and getting involved in sports and what other sports that you might have played when you were younger? Uh, again, in uh, primary school, I played soccer. So um, and my daddy was a boxer. My mummy wasn't really into sports, but my mummy's the backbone of our family. So. Whatever we wanted to do, my mummy was always there. My mummy's our number one supporter, right up until this day. Um, we're still very, very close. Just recently, uh, all six of us were away on a family holiday there, which was brilliant to, that we we're still able to do that kind of thing. So growing up, uh, every each and every one of us had our own wee thing. I love to play sport. Uh, my other sisters all had their own thing. Claire liked to do horse riding. Teresa, Teresa was into everything. And Laura liked to do other stuff as well. Uh, my daddy was a boxer, so he had that wee bit of sport in him, but my mummy was always there to support us in whatever we wanted to do. Um, just probably having that wee bit of background in, in sport, um, I always knew, and maybe my mummy and daddy always knew that uh, whatever was going on in West Belfast, whatever was going on in the Troubles, that um, getting us into sport had um, always give you a wee bit of motivation, a bit of discipline, and no matter what, you were always going to be finding friends in sport, finding that wee bit of solace. So whenever we had a sport, we knew we'd always be able to get friends, have a wee bit of support, and probably find a wee bit of sense of community and camaraderie. So sport was always something that we always wanted to be part of. And I think my mummy and daddy always knew that sport would be able to guide us in a, in a good way. So um, boxing was, and still is, one of our um, sports that we follow and again it's it's a disciplined sport it's a it's a great sport to follow and and also probably has a good lot of traits in boxing as does the GAA so I think they both cross over very very well and and still two sports that I I like to follow today and so does our family yeah and I, I think I read lately you still obviously train away and like to keep fit and active and mm -hmm. going down to the boxing gym and, and doing a bit of that is is what you do to keep active and Definitely. Um, there's a there's a boxing gym that I go to now. It's called Tribe, and it's two young fellas. There used to be two boxers, two brothers as well. Um, again, family orientated. It, it's probably what what I always go back to. I think um, a wee bit of support and family is is probably what I always like go go back to bases. Um, two brothers, and they've started up their own business just pre lockdown, and. They're thriving now. They have two businesses, one in the Ormer Road in Belfast and one in Finnegy. Um, they do uh, boxing and they also do uh, SGBT or GT. And it's strength and conditioning and boxing. It, I like to keep fit. I think it's good for my mindset. I think it's good that if I'm not playing camogie, I always felt that I needed something to be able to keep my mind right. And I think that sport was always brilliant for that. But um, I do also think that fitness is also a good way and also to keep me in shape as well. So yeah. I like to keep <laughs> involved. 
Yeah, and I think any uh, obviously sports person that retires, you know, they have to have something afterwards. And you know, we are, we're the type of people that are very driven and want to, you know, keep active and keep fit. So uh, you know, I I presume myself that's what I'll be like um, once I retire. And you know, I can never see myself not doing something. I always have mm -hmm. to do something. I suppose if we go back to your you know your failure days and your club days, where O'Donovan Ross, I know you've had a lot of success with them. Um, but kind of guide us through that path that you're with Fela, um, that's at age 13 and kind of in the next two years at 15 years of age uh, you join the Antrim Senior Camogie team. I suppose a lot of people when I when I talk to kids or mm. people nowadays I, I joined the Mayo Senior team when I was um, you know 13 and a half, 13 and three quarters and people kind of look at you and go wow you know senior footballer, senior camogie at that age but it was it was the norm at my time. Um, probably not the norm that you'd have a you know a thirteen and a half, but certainly with fifteen, sixteen year olds. So, talk about that period of between you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, or coming into the Antrim, um, the Antrim senior team, the women's team uh, at that age. Uh, for me, it probably just seemed like a, a natural progression. Um, I talked about earlier on about Jim Nelson. Um, he had just started. He was just coming on the take Antrim Camogie team, and he had asked me to come onto the panel. Jim didn't live too far away from me, so little did I know that he had already noticed me. Um, maybe I was out playing with my friends. I, I always had a stick with me, and he would have been driving up and down the road and would have seen me out with my stick, and that probably worked to my benefit, that he seen me always playing and always had the ball in my hand. And even uh, one of my friends, uh, we would have been one would have been at one side of the road and the other at the other side of the road and hitting the ball. This is on the main road, by the way. Hitting the ball over the main, like, both sides of the cars hitting the ball across the road and he would have seen us doing that and, and probably would have took note uh, that I was doing that. Plus probably I didn't know he was um, taking notes on, I played with his daughter Kira as well so she would have been a good few years older than me but I was playing in the senior team with her as well so he'd have been looking out for people that were coming on and Jim was no dozer, he knew the potential that was in Antrim so that's why Jim was going to be taking Antrim so he invited me onto the team and um, I was loving it. I was only I was only young. Um, I couldn't wait to get get onto the panel with the likes of Grace McMullen, um, Maureen Barry, Kieran Nelson, all the girls that were on my senior team. But also, we at that stage our club team weren't great at senior level. But we always the likes of Dunloy, Lockheed, they were playing um, in Ulster Ulster finals and they were playing in semi finals of um, all all Ireland and. We supported them, we thought they were brilliant, so we wanted to strive to be exactly like them. And so going on to the senior panel with Emmons was a big deal to me and I couldn't wait to do it. Much like yourself, you just couldn't wait to get on to it. And it didn't matter in what capacity I was doing it, I just wanted to do it. And it didn't matter if I had an under 14 match, an under 16 match, um, uh, an under 18 match, every night of the week, plus training, he wanted to do it. And yeah. there was no such thing as burnout. Yeah. There was no such thing as, your mummy driving the, you to training in the morning and your daddy driving you to another training in the afternoon and then a match that night, you made all the trainings. Yeah. And I know people look back and go, how do you do that? But you, do, you did it and you wanted to do it and there was no no burnout, no anything. There was no talk of it. It was just, you want to do it and you yeah. did it and that's and it. I think that's very interesting because mm -hmm. you know nowadays, and you know obviously sport has changed since I started playing to now. Um, and that was the whole case. I was playing um, under 16 minor. I remember one particular year, I think it was 96, I was playing mm -hmm. under 16 minor and senior um, with Mayo at the time. And I played an under 16 All-Ireland final on a Saturday mm -hmm. and we lost. Um, I played um, a senior All-Ireland semi-final on the Sunday, so 24 hours later or less. 
um, and lost after extra time. And then the following week played in a minor final and lost again. So that was in the space of seven days, three finals yeah. at that. It, but it, uh, you, you didn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. It was the norm that you just went out and you trained. And as you said, you just went from match to match, training to training, uh -huh. and there was no notice taken. No, absolutely not. And I think whenever we look back, I think there's a an extra lot of pressures on kids these days and for to do like social media has an awful lot to do with it as well. We didn't have the social media. Um, and I know, I know, I think social media do play a big part in it because whenever kids are looking at their social media, they, they kind of expect that, well, somebody's doing this and somebody's doing that and, and all that kind of stuff does play a big part in it. And we didn't have that. And somebody might be saying on it, oh, I'm doing this, this and this. And then other people start to think, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And it has a whole load, of, it opens a whole lot of doors and, and all that kind of thing. And I think that it was kind of easier for us that we didn't have that and it does put an awful lot of pressure on kids and, and adults as well that maybe maybe I shouldn't be doing this and they can't really, it's, it's harder for them to think for themselves and it's harder for them to deal with if they don't get a leg here, if they don't get a leg there and I just think it's a wee bit harder for them and, and also we didn't really know, we didn't know what was ahead of us, we didn't know and it just the was the way it was. Yeah, but I think life was just a little bit easier. It for was. us, we just you know followed what, what was yeah. in front of us, and we didn't know any different. Yeah. I suppose where nowadays you know so much more, and you know you question everything. Where we didn't have that, yeah. and that's the way I preferred it, and uh -huh. the way I'd love yeah. things to continue. But and everybody's right to question it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose we talk about you come on to the uh, describe when you come on to the Antrim senior senior panel. I think it's in your first year. Um, you win the junior All Ireland. Yep. I know you didn't play at that time, but describe what that was like for a 15 year old coming on into a senior team and into an All Ireland final in your first year. Well, the first year, whenever uh, the I actually got on in the semi final yep. and I scored, I was against Down, I think it was, in the semi final. I scored uh, the winning point, and then whenever we were playing, I broke my, broke my thumb. Yeah, so I, I think this is very important. Yeah. I was reading about this. I think you can tell us the story about yeah. that. So I broke my thumb and I was devastated. I thought that I'd broke onto the panel. Now, I may not have even got onto the next, the All-Ireland final, but in, in your head, you think, you def you start thinking, oh, I'm definitely, if I don't get on the first 15, your head goes yeah. mad anyway. Yeah. You start thinking, I'm definitely going to make it and whatever. And if I don't make it, I'll definitely get on as a sub. I may not have, but in your head you're starting to think of there's all sorts of chances that you may. Yeah. And you're, you have to seize that opportunity. But So I started thinking, what am I go, how am I going to get this plaster pass off? Uh, got to so do let's something. Say you, you, you've scored the winning point in yep. the All-Ireland semi-final. Yep. You broke your thumb. How long afterwards? Or uh, a couple of days. A couple of days after yep. the All-Ireland semi-final. Now you know you're in an All-Ireland final. So yep. you as a 15-year-old are trying to yep. think of how are you going to play in this All-Ireland yes. final or have some parts in it with a yes. broken thumb in a plaster pass. Yep. So I started, I had a plaster pass and thought, I'll keep it on for a couple of days. I'll go, still go to training. I went to the training. I still trained. I just didn't. I did all the running. I didn't do any stick work. Um, I started thinking in my head, how am I going to trick Jim Nelson? The and uh, thinking, how am I going to trick my mummy and daddy? What am I going to do to get this off? Um, started having all sorts of wee plans in my head. I'll definitely get a plan to get this off. It'll be somewhere or another. I'll get it off. Um, so. Jane started having wee tricks and what am I going to do? So there was a plan hatched anyway, um, continued the train. And once I knew that Jim had named me on the panel, yeah. so you know the way that you, there's a panel named and then there's a few people that aren't named yeah. on the panel. I knew I was named on the panel. So 
my plan had started to work and so I said to my mommy and daddy right I need to get this plaster parts off and they were like you can't take it off and I said daddy please take this off so my mommy and daddy cut the plaster parts off for me and I said to Jim Jim they actually re re-x-rayed my thumb it's not broke <laughs> he was like okay right okay and I said he said are you sure I was like yes definitely so I went to one of the trainings I trained and it was obviously it was a bit sore but he didn't say he obviously knew that yeah. I, what I had done because he's not he didn't come up the lock in a bubble yeah. he knew exactly what I'd done so anyway I went to Croke Park and I thought maybe I have a chance but he knew what I had done yeah. and he didn't he didn't put me on anyway but um I was still part of the winning yeah. team and then he had said to me a few years later I know what you done and I said right okay but I'd done it again I've done it a couple of times after it and I actually did it the last game that I played for Rossa um I, I was I knew that this was going to be my very last time I came back and I retired I think it was 2013 the last Antrim match that I played um in Croke Park against Wexford and then for Ross's centenary year I thought because it's our centenary year I'll come back and I'll give it one last I'll just one year and doesn't matter how we go out I'll just play for the one yeah. last year we changed our jerseys and stuff and we had our centenary jersey and that and we got to the um county final and the week before I had broke I broke here or two weeks before I broke there and I knew I'd broke it but I didn't go to the I wouldn't go to the hospital I thought no we've only two weeks to go I'll not go to the hospital but then we had a a, a friendly against Balnderry uh, or Balnascreen and I, they'd hit me I hooked I broke here and I thought I'm gonna have to go to the hospital and whenever I went to the hospital I had two breaks in my hand so <laughs> I had to get a plaster parts on and I was like, right, I can't play and it's not really worth it to have work and I can't yeah. go to work and everything. I obviously have to make a living now. I have too many people that rely on me and work of, like say, 30 to 40 people that rely on me to work and then started thinking, I don't really need my hand to work. I can still dictate and I, yeah. it's only a couple of weeks out and then I thought, it's the very last game. It's only one match. I can, it's against Lockheed. I can maybe see what I can do. Same thing. If I get my mummy and daddy on my side, mm -hmm. then I'm okay. So I need them two on my side before I want. I don't want to make any decisions on my own, especially this kind of decision without them and on my team. I'm not really not fussed on doing it. If they're not on my team, I don't want to do it. So I went up to their house after training and said, "Mummy, what do you think?" And straight away they said, "Well, what do you, do you want to do it?" And I said, "Yes." So they same thing. I have a video of them. My daddy cutting it off for me, so I cut it off and um, I played. And I don't think look, whenever I played, everybody was like, she, "There's no way she had a broken hand because yeah. she's playing." Because yeah. I didn't really let anybody see my plaster yeah. parts or anything because yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and I played anyway, and I think we got beat by about three or four points. But I scored, I think I scored seven points, and that. But I knew that was the end. That yeah. was it. So I thought, don't really care what happens and true, yeah. I went back to the I was fly I went back to a different hospital <laughs> and said I've, I think I've broken the went, did you so they had the x-ray anyway and said yeah of course you broke your wrist and or your hand so another plaster pass was on and then that was it that was the end of it I knew that I'd give everything that I possibly could didn't let anybody down and knew that that was the very very last and was so happy I, to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> I, it amazes me. The second time round amazed me, but the first time round as a as a fifteen year old into an All Ireland final, and your parents, um, you know, your dad cutting off your plaster parts to play in an All Ireland final. I just, you know, we talk about like, mm -hmm. 
now and you know kids nowadays and I just couldn't imagine that ever be happen um I suppose what is it like why was it what was the, what was the drive that was there obviously to play in all Ireland fine but as a 15 year old to have mm -hmm. that drive you obviously brought that through your Antrim career for the next yeah. decade or decade and a half um was it was it always there that drive for the next obviously you played Antrim you know for for a long time afterwards like describe what the this um it was like playing for Antrim for for the next year I know you got into intermediate finals and, and stuff like yeah. that but what was it like the drive was there it never went away until the day I left it was every single uh, I don't know what it was like for you Cora but every morning I woke up even whenever I had training I couldn't wait to go to training um whenever I had a match it was even better I just couldn't wait to play the matches but every single day I had anything to do with either Antrim or Rossa I just couldn't wait I think um growing up I had a brilliant 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 life family life and I Komogi was my everything. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I think that's why whenever I stopped playing Komogi, I knew that if I didn't stop playing whenever I did, I would have ended up really disliking it. And that's why I did stop. I just thought I have to stop now because it was like an absolute love affair. It was like, I have to stop now because if I don't stop, yeah. I'll dislike the people that's in it. I'll dislike And I'm glad that I did because Everybody that I love in Camogie, I still love in Camogie, yeah. and and all my memories that I have of Camogie, bad ones of getting beat and everything, everything that I have now has probably, it's all to do with Camogie and all to do with my family. So, any I don't have any regrets. I don't have um, any time that I've got beaten. It's made me a better person, or it's made me stronger, or it's taught me a lesson. And I don't say that because I've heard other people saying it. I say that because I mean it, and it has made me be the person that I am today, even in business. Um, I may be the leader in my business, but you're only a leader because of your team. And I like being part of a team. I'm not I, I, I'm not an individual. I like being part of a, a family. I like being my family or my team. And I like being part of a team, and that's why I thrive in team scenarios and, and, and business as not just an individual, as, as like in a, in a team. Um, on the sporting uh, sphere, obviously you've won lots. I can name you've won, you know, ten county titles. You've won six Ulster senior medals, Ulster Camogie Player of the Year, All Stars, all of that. Um, in in your Camogie career, what has been your biggest achievement? Um, I, I probably know what the answer is going to be, but I suppose just talk about what what's your biggest achievement and why. Uh, winning the All Ireland title with Rossa. Um, the reason why is because we got so close so many times. It's a wee bit like you're talking about Mayo. You, get so close and you nearly feel like whenever you were we were younger uh, again Jim Nelson he seems to be very prominent in my life that's because he is um, he came in again he see the potential in Rossa we didn't win anything whenever my mid-teens but he seen the potential we were getting better and better and better and he started taking Rossa um, we started winning the county titles and then we started winning Ulster titles um, whenever you start winning the Ulster title, you start to start thinking, right, okay, this is the pathway, and the next step is we'll win, an we'll win Ulster, we'll get into an All-Ireland semi-final, and then it's natural progression, you'll win an All-Ireland, and really now, look, at that's not just what happens. It just, it's not as easy or as simple as that. Um, it's, it's a lot of kicking the teeth, and it's a lot of no knockbacks and a lot of setbacks, and at one point um, in 2006, um, we played Cashel in the All-Ireland semi-final and, or sorry, 2000, 2006 I think we played St Lockens 
and they beat us in the Northern Ireland semi-final. And we thought, right, okay, we're we're still one step closer. We'll get it. We'll do it next year. And um, we played against Cashel and Newry, and they absolutely blew us off the field. And at that point, I thought this is never going to happen. You might as well just play Camogie for fun because you aren't even close. Why, why did you even think you were close? You're not even anywhere near it. Um, and for me, that was a big that day. I just thought you were actually kidding yourself. Like you're not, you're not close. You're not even. For in my head, up until that point, I thought I was just as good um, as anybody in Ireland, and I truly believed that. Until that day, I was like, I'm not. I'm not. Our team isn't. We didn't have enough. We weren't prepared as good. Uh, we weren't. And it just completely, and I, I went home with a migraine. I couldn't even go home. I suffer from migraines and have done since I was about 10. I went home with a migraine. I couldn't go home with the team. I couldn't even speak. I was just totally, completely and utter, utterly gutted. I couldn't believe it. Um, so 2008 was a massive like kick for me and I just couldn't believe it. But so I had to rejig my thoughts. I had to start thinking, okay, well, if you're playing, you love it. Mm -hmm. You're going back and just set your sights on. You can still, you can still win Adrum. Mm -hmm. You can still win Ulster, and anything after that's a bonus. And then 2008 came. Still trained as hard, but we didn't have a manager. We asked around 30 people um, to take us. Everybody. This was after Jim had stepped away. Jim yeah. stepped away. Yeah. So Jim, I think Jim in his head as well. Jim tried everything, and I think the same thing. What I thought, I think Jim thought, what else can I do? He gave everything. He Jim um, gave his whole life, everything that Jim does. He, he gave his full, full commitment. Um, Lily, his wife, gave her full commitment. Kira, his daughter, she stepped away. Um, there was a lot of our older t older members of the team, probably only in their early thirties. Like yeah. again, probably went right. Well, nice and time. I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Um, going to. They all have commitments. Probably have put their even their marriages on the back burner mm -hmm. because it was so full on. And you know yourself as, as well, and it really is so full on, and it's maybe like time to give my husband a bit of attention, yeah. give my family a wee bit of yeah. attention, or maybe even start having babies. Mm -hmm. Like Kieran Nelson's, like only started having babies then, and yeah. that was maybe in her early thirties. So yeah. she, and it was the same for a lot of people in our yeah. team. Um, so you can't take that away from people. Everybody has their their own lives, yeah. and everybody gave up an awful, an awful lot. So I think Jim in his head thought as well, right? Well. I've given an awful lot. I can't really take this team any further. Are you worried at that stage with all him going? Absolutely. Players yep. leaving, yep. new coaching. Now you've had Jim with Antrim or Donovan yep. Rosso. Jim was with Antrim yep. men's team in 89 when, when they got to the All-Ireland. So yep. like this is a huge uh -huh. figure, obviously, in your sport and career. Yep. He's now gone. You've got to, you haven't got to the holy grail as no. such. Are you, are you doubting it at this stage? Oh, I never thought it was. A, I just thought, right, well, we have to look at this differently. We might just have a bit of fun. We might just we'll we can still we we'll still have the the team and the because that just doesn't all that professionalism that he brought us there just doesn't disappear within one year. Now maybe in another few years it'll be gone, but what we have now he brought us to that level, so it just doesn't go away. So what we have now we owe it to ourselves, even if we don't have a coach, even with that amount of people stepping away. We still owe it to ourselves for the amount of training and all so that effort. Would you say Jim had built this culture? Oh, absolutely. And the culture, like, with such a big word now, but the yep. culture was there. So whoever came in, as yep. you said, it was there. It was yep. just to follow it. Yes. So even, even with very little, 
money. We didn't do it with, there was very little money. We all, like, whoever was on our committee, it was people that was in our camogie team. I was on the committee, Theresa McGowan was on the committee, Kieran Nelson, so it was only us. There was not, and maybe a few, like Margaret Flynn, who's now our Rossa chairperson, she was on it. And my mummy, Nell O'Neill, there was only us. There wasn't anybody outside of that. So it was a very small group of people. And they were still there as well. So, and I knew that if really needed any help, that Kieran Nelson would yeah. still be there and the other ones yeah. would still be there. But Jim had brought us to a level that we still could win Ulster, yeah. or win Adrum and win Ulster. But, so that, but that's not but what that, you wanted. No. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I didn't think it was ever gonna materialize ever again because I just thought that then against Cashel, we just weren't good yeah. enough. Um, we'd asked 30 people to take his, nobody wanted to know. And I don't know if it was because they knew we weren't good enough or because we were so probably a wee bit psycho in training so much. <laughs> like, training yeah, so I, I much. Know, you know, we, like you're exactly like we were when yeah. we were in the Heights were a club time. Yeah. We were exactly the exact same. Uh, and they're too much of a hassle. Yeah. Like Because yeah. we probably got a few people in and went, oh, they're not good enough for us. So let them go or maybe they're not or maybe they're just not doing it the way that we like it so let them yeah, but, go but at this stage are you not liked either though within the county anyways within yeah. Antrim because you're winning you're successful yeah um so that's probably going to be another hassle. I know so yeah so on a search 30 managers and coaches later you, you you finally find one yeah and describe that <coughs> that year then so Mickey McCulloch came in and Mickey had been in with Jim a few years later but it just didn't work out. He had other things going on and uh, so did Jim. So it didn't work out. But whenever Mickey came in, it was very late on in the season. So it was say in around April. So we hardly had any training. It was very, very late in the season. And he came in and sort of like flipped everything that we still really trained really, really intensely. But uh, we went to Dublin to play good council. And on the way down to the match, he said, Right, just put everybody's name in a hat and whatever way we pick the names out, that's where you're playing. So Theresa McGowan, who would have been a goalkeeper, played full forward. I played midfield. So we just and every so it was a bit of fun. Yeah. And everybody like we still went down and we still we'll, we'll beat them and we'll beat them well. And then on the way home, you were allowed to have a couple of drinks and then uh, Neil Polish came out and we painted his nails and then I painted everybody's nails. So it was just slightly different from what and then um then crazy training started and it was slightly different crazy training than what Jim did. It was yeah. a wee bit more, um, just slightly different and probably different from what we had done before and probably the mixture of those two. Then ignited a wee bit, I was like, hold on, we won then we won Antrim, then we won Ulster and then we um, got into the All-Ireland semi-final um, against Athen Rye. Oh no, hold no against Ballyboden. Ballyboden, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Athenry the year yeah. before, and um, when we played Athenry, it was just, it was just different, and good different. It was um, all the younger ones then had started coming in, and like there was my wee sister Teresa, she was cornerback, and then there was the most changes on the team. I think came within the back line. There was wee Natalie McGuinness, um, Ashley McCall. Like, and these girls probably were in around the team from they were about 13, but never really got the opportunity, and now they're 16 and 17, and oh my God, they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but I, I think I read you were the star of the show, and was it 211 or 29 Yeah, but or I was absolutely, see the day that um, Bally Bowden match, yeah. I was the worst match I've ever played in the first half, 
and the best match I've ever played in the second half. So I think I scored one point in the first half and I was so glad of our team in the second half because many of the matches that I've sc I scored a lot of the points and the goals and whatever, but that first half, our team carried me. And whenever we went in at half time, Mickey McCulloch said the exact same thing. He said, yous have carried her for the whole, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. They carried me and, they, and I don't know, I was tripping over my feet. I was like under my feet. And it probably was kind of looking back into 2007 going, you're here, you have an opportunity. And then so in the second half, I was like, don't be messing this yeah. up. And I think I scored 2-9 yeah. in the second half. It was, and once I clicked into, hold on, you have an opportunity here. You could be in an All-Ireland final and look what that team just did for you. It was it kind of came easy then, and it was and it was on playing encasement and yeah. my favourite pitch of all time, yeah. and and it just all clicked, and then I then you were on your way to an All Ireland yeah. final. So you got to the All Ireland final. I think yeah. it was Drummond Inch, was yes. that right? Yeah. So describe that day, and you know when you finally got over and yeah. won the All Ireland. Um, even driving into into the match, um, I knew we were winning. Uh, we drove in. Do you know that song, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Again, we would have been kind of subdued and stuff going into the matches and it would have been like very calm and stuff. And as we drove in the Ashburn, Mickey McCulloch turned that song on and our team bus went mental. Like everybody uh, was up singing. It would have been like as if you were leaving the match. Just <laughs> like everybody is singing and everybody's getting off the bus screaming and shouting before we even went into the end of the match. Um, and then we played the match. I think it was kind of close in the first half and again, it was close in the second half. But... Uh, and Drum and Inch were tough. Again, they beat um, Cashel, so we knew they were going to be tough. Um, but winning that match was like a weight lifted off our shoulders. Um, it was every single person that I knew had followed us. Um, and that's what I, went, I said earlier on about being from West Belfast. Uh, it wasn't just Rossa. It was like West Belfast is a, is a big enough community, but it's... It's small as well because there's a lot of clubs within West Belfast, but that day I would have looked around and there'd be people from Sarsfields. There was people from from the bars that my daddy owned that I would have not even known that still were following Rossa or still following me from I was 16 working in the bars. And um, it meant an awful lot for not just Rossa and not just um, West Belfast, but for the Falls Road. And whenever you look around and you see a lot of people from in and around your community, it just made it so even so much better. Um, my granda, my granny, granda was there, my mummy and daddy, everybody that you knew that had followed you, it just felt like this is what it is actually yeah. all about. This is absolutely the best day of my life. And still to this day for my sporting, that is yeah. definitely the best day of my life. Yeah, and I think I can say that I, I'm lucky enough, I've, I've won six All-Irelands in my club, but the first yeah. one I remember winning, um, and, and I was lucky enough to be yeah. captain that, that day, um, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's just, it's the sense of pride that you bring to a lot of people in the community that you don't even know if at times that they support you, but yeah. they're out in the pitch um, hugging you, congratulations. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a feeling that, you know, you probably can't describe to people yeah. that unless you're actually in the moment, but yeah, no, it was brilliant. I suppose after that, um, your career ended kind of in, in 2013, mm -hmm. as you said, with Antrim, and, and you came back in 2016 and played with O'Donovan Rossa. But in between, you kind of tore your cruciate, I think, yep. in, in 2009. When did you know, uh, as you said earlier on, you knew it was kind of coming to an end? Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of went into, you had been in business. Um, 
I suppose for people like describe there's an entrepreneurial background in your dad um, he initially was a painter and decorator yeah. then owned his own uh, pubs in, in Belfast and then his own um, healthcare kind of business yeah. so you had you always that you know outside of sport were you always um, driven to be an entrepreneur or how did that come about? Um, I think it came first and foremost for me it has to come down to I have to like it yeah. I have to enjoy it um, even right even now I had a chat with my daddy last night and it was we always have frank and open and honest chats and he said maybe I maybe you could have did this and maybe and I said daddy I have you know I have to like it and he said oh I so you do <laughs> so if I, I wouldn't have played camogie if I I whenever I started whenever I was a kid I ran but I sort of thought it'd give me migraines, so I didn't like running because mm. it was just an again individual, so I didn't really like it. I played soccer, but I just loved camogie a wee bit more. Um, I worked in the bars, my daddy's bars, just did it for the weekends and didn't really. So when I don't like something, I just will not do it. Mm. So if I, whenever I started working in um, chip shops, I loved it. So that's where, if it had been, I was working in the chip shop and a that's just what I, I like to do it and I just wanted to work there, then I would have worked there. But I think we're, I have a wee bit of drive and competitiveness in me and a bit of motivation. And I think then, again, I just thought, right, well, I love this. And that's where it started. It's just like, it has a wee bit of a, an, an ignite in you. And I love that and it's to do with people. Yeah. I like, and it's not just about making money. I think my interaction with people, um, and that's another thing, a conversation that you have, it's like whenever you're making money, it's all good when you're making money, but whenever you know that you're making somebody happy, like if we have a, a chip shop in Glen Gormley, and whenever we opened it like 12 years ago, and what makes me most happy is whenever I see people outside taking your food away and eating it outside and, and being happy that they're eating it, or that's what makes me happy, and, and not just taking people's money, or and to be honest, like at the minute, business is very hard. Yeah. It's not just it's you're 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 in it and and it's brilliant and it's easy. It's very very hard and over the last couple of years, it's it especially from the pandemic hit and it, it has been very hard. And but again, it's what I thrive on. I, I like to be able to adapt and I like to be able to people throwing new challenges at me. And I'm very lucky that I have my family and I'm very lucky that I have my sister who is my best friend, one of my best friends, but also my business partner. And she takes all the stuff that I don't like. Yeah. And I take all the stuff Which that she doesn't like. So it, it works out well. So Laura's your sister. So Laura would have held a lot of these businesses. You had Absolutely. these businesses when you were playing yep. Camogie with Antrim, but she'd have um, uh -huh. held a lot of them together. So if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have three fish and chip shops, a yep. cafe, and then you opened a pizza shop yes. in the second lockdown. Yep which to me is just amazing that uh -huh. you're doing stuff like that. Do you feel that has replaced like the drive for business and, and you know, success in business have replaced Camogie in some way or helped you replace it? Uh, it definitely I needed something mm. and there was, a, and it was always there. It was just the transition period. Yeah. I always knew that once I was stopping playing Camogie that I had, I was doing it because I had something outside of Camogie. Yeah. Camogie was never going to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Again, I was saying to you earlier that I was very lucky that I did have my family and I did have Laura that allowed me to, to fulfil my potential in Camogie and to do whatever I wanted to do. But I always knew that it wasn't a, a matter of going, oh, right, okay, now I have to, mm -hmm. I'm giving this up because I have to go into this. Yeah. It was like, okay, I can't wait because there's a big opportunity for me yeah. here. And um, kind of like 
the love for my business is there and it's it, it's not just oh, I have to do this I actually really love it mm. and I love to push myself and I love to go right okay I have an opportunity and it's about seizing that opportunity yeah. it's about even if it's only a wee small opportunity I didn't know I was going to have free fish and chip shops I didn't know I was going to have 40 or 50 people working for us I didn't know what was ahead of us all I knew is that there was an opportunity there and I had to take it and I wanted to take it and I think that's have to keep on going back to that. I wanted to take it. If I didn't want to take it, I would have went down some yeah. other route and, and But is there huge enjoyment that you're now employing forty or fifty people, giving them, you know, a job yep. and you're and you're seeing that your business are growing. I think like to see that you can employ forty or fifty people and, you know, give them a wage at the end of the week. There must be huge satisfaction in that. There there definitely is. There's great satisfaction in it and to see what's even better satisfaction is that the longest people that we have working for us is like 15 years yeah. so i have laura especially laura has people working in the antrim road chip shop like 18 years yeah. like i think that's amazing um i have a girl a girl and a fella both in the glen gormley shop uh, who both have been there from the day that it opened yeah. um i have another lady who would have been there from the day it opened only she's now she's 63 She's now retiring, or taking early retirement. She would have been there only she's now and for a play to her. And now she's taking a wee yeah. step back and I'm very happy that she's yeah. doing it. But she would have been there. I think that even more than being able to, that's my, I, I love being able to have people that's been around me for a long, long time. And they make me very happy that they're yeah, still I with think me. I think it shows though the loyalty that they have to yeah. you um, because the way that obviously they're treated by you and, and your sister, I think it, yeah. it's twofold and I think, I think a lot of the, the trades, loyalty and all uh -huh. that comes from, from sport and, and in your yeah. case comes from Camogie and, yeah. and fr from your club. I suppose we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up and finish it up um, on, you got married, I think is it a year ago or just over a year? A year ago this Saturday. Okay, okay so happy anniversary. <laughs> so tell us a little about Nikki, your partner and yeah. I suppose growing up and when you realised that you're gay and yeah. um, I think I read a line that you, you, you weren't okay with it and nope. you weren't happy with it but when did, when did you accept it and I think you met, met Nikki if it's right probably four or five years ago yep. and how she changed your life and that you didn't think that the Beanton that you'd love as much as yep. Camogie but um, obviously she's taken she's taken she the baton. definitely did. Um, yes I wasn't happy with it um, not at all and again Camogie probably made it okay because yep. once you step Food. And that's why whenever I woke up every morning knowing that I had camogie, mm -hmm. it made it okay. I think uh, camogie for me was a safe place mm -hmm. um, in my head. I didn't know that, but now looking back, it was like, thank God I had camogie because it didn't allow me to think about anything else. Um, I have had other partners in the past and it's nothing to do with Emmons or anything, but I just wasn't happy. I didn't, if anybody had said to me, um, are you gay? Or I just would have completely blanked it or got very annoyed about it I actually would have been completely really really very very upset about it um uh, there would have been a lot of times over my life that I've been very unhappy about it there would even be a time where both myself and Laura were working in the chippy and we were working together and Laura was completely okay with it by the way <laughs> even though I wasn't and there was a time where Laura said um thought she was being lovely about it and was like uh, yeah, Jane's gay to some a girl and her uh, daughter, and I was like, whenever the girl left, I was like, who do you think you are? And she was like, what? And I was like, I'm not okay with you saying that. And she was like, but it's okay. I said, I'm not okay with it. Why do you think? And she was like, 
I don't understand. I was like, Laura, I'm not okay with it. And she was like, even though Laura had known probably for a long, long, long yeah. time, I wasn't okay with it. And probably because I never really told her I wasn't okay with it, yeah. but I just wasn't okay with it. And really, um, looking at it, I wasn't okay with it until I met Nikki. Mm -hmm. And whenever I met Nikki, I'm Nikki's first partner. Yeah. And whenever Nikki has a daughter, Jada, who's my wee stepdaughter, who's yeah. frig, she's brilliant. Um, who also plays Kamogi on also play from Rasa, Rasa yeah. yeah. And she's brilliant, so she is. Um, she's doing dentistry, first year in dentistry yeah. and all this year, so she's class. And for without Jada, except me, me and Nikki just couldn't have happened, and, and that's thank God for her. Um, but without Nikki, it, I just probably wouldn't have accepted myself. Um, Nikki at the very start just said, well, Fry, I couldn't believe that she was just like, whoever has a problem with it, it's their problem. Mm. I was like, right, okay. And anybody before Nikki, I was like, I wouldn't deny them. And I wouldn't, and people knew I was gay and I was okay with people yeah. knowing I was gay, but it just was like, God's yeah. sake. Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna deny that I am because it is who I am, yeah. but I'm not happy with it. Yeah. And um, and yes, I was open about being it, um, being gay and whatever, but I just wasn't happy. Yeah. And that's just the way it was. But now I'm, I feel like, well, I have somebody that I completely love yeah. and somebody completely loves me back. And more than I love Kamogi, uh, she is my safe place. She's, she's definitely my anchor. She's everything that I ever, ever, ever wanted, ever could have dreamt of. And I genuinely didn't think that it was like that kind of love was was real. I really didn't, um, and I'm just very thankful for her and thankful that I And you that got I married, uh, I think, after the fourth att fourth attempt yeah. of trying to get married with COVID and all yes. that. You got married last year. Yep. And how was that? How was the day? It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, first of July last year, we had seventy people. We were meant to get married the year before, the twenty seventh of June, and it was going to be a bigger wedding yeah. and. It just didn't happen uh, because of COVID. Then we changed it um, three or four times. And then we thought, no matter what, we're getting married on the 1st of July, uh, 2021. Even if it's just gonna be the two of us, it doesn't matter what we're doing it because we just didn't know where the restrictions. Mm -hmm. So once we had set a date, we knew that whatever restrictions were in place, we would just deal with them because it was quite hard to try and plan around them. So once we knew we're sticking with that date, we knew what we could plan and then it we were allowed to bring seventy people, so we, we did it with seventy people, and it was brilliant. So yeah. it was and, brilliant. and finally, um, do you look at the GA now? And, and obviously, we've Pride Week has just finished um, yeah. um, last week with them. Do you look at it and, and look at it how great it is now yeah. for you know young girls or, or young guys growing up, and, and how inclusive it is, and be whoever uh -huh. you want to be? Do you look at it with like pride and say this is this is, is so good? Absolutely, I think it's I think it's incredible. I think. Um, I think we've moved on an awful lot. Um, what I would say is that none of my friends in the GA or any has ever given me any trouble or anything at all. I've always only been felt unequal. Um, I think they've made massive strides, and I mean the hierarchy have made a massive strides, and I think it's only only right and just that they do because we are all unequal. Um, mm -hmm. We are everybody's the same. I've never ever wanted to be any better than anybody. I've never wanted to be any less, and I feel that. Like I feel that for um, my sexuality, my gender, my political outlook, I just want to be equal to everybody. I don't want to be any better. I don't want to be any less. And I feel that the GAA, um, the GPA, the everybody is making massive strides. And I want um, all young kids to be able to, to be who they are, no matter um, what way they feel. I want them to know that 
we've all been there before. We all go through wee tough spaces. We, we all go through wee tough spaces. Um, we all have t tough times. We all have wee things that we're all going to get through. But at the end of the day, we can all get through it. We can get through it together, or we can get through it alone. And that camogie, football, hurling arts, anything is there to help us and, and, and also now that um, the GAA are opening up to this that there's an awful lot of people out there that can help us through any wee small tight space that we feel ourselves in. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Jane Adams, um, thanks a million for being on the Stronger With Sport uh, podcast. Um, that was an amazing hour just um, listening to the best luck in the future you. um, with your wife Nikki and also with all your businesses. Um, I really hope they're successful. Thanks again Thank for coming on. Thank you very much, Cora.